Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonia. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And we're back this week diving into the second book of his Dark Materials by Philip Pullman, The Subtle Knife. I'm really thrilled to be rereading this time because I totally love this series. And like I said a couple weeks ago, we haven't read anything like it on the podcast yet. And we're already halfway done with the primary series, which is absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, and after so many weeks of Twilight, I'm just really excited to read something new that I have no expectations for. And for anyone who is new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we're reading and rereading young adult literature from our childhood and adolescence and sharing these books with each other. We're reading a series that Charles has read a couple of times, and my opinion still stands that these books are very serious and complex, and I do blame Charles for that. (laughs) I will admit that it's complicated, especially this reading, but it's so worth it. And speaking of the complication, let's talk about that plot. You're on summary duty, Asia. Yep, let's go for it. So first half of The Subtle Knife, we start with Will Perry, who is a 12-year-old from our world, so kind of like normal Earth, I guess. And his mother is mentally unwell. Un- His mother is mentally unwell and people have been stalking her, so he leaves her with a friend and decides to go looking for his long-lost father. He finds a window into another world called Sitagaz. Cittagazze. It's Italian. Okay. So I will just... I would just look at Charles and he's going to say that one for me because I definitely am not even going to attempt that one. And... Cittagazze. That world is where children just kind of run around freely, and this is where he meets Lyra, our main character, and they decide to work together as Lyra is kind of trying to learn more about the dust, and Will wants to learn about his dad. And in exploring Will's Oxford, so his version, his world's Oxford, because Lyra is also from Oxford, just the Oxford of her world, Lyra meets Dr. Malone, who is studying dust as well, but she ends up getting her alethiometer stolen. And the man who takes it asks them to retrieve a knife in... Chitagatze. <laughs> which they fight for, and Will wins the knife. And then the knife, which this is the subtle knife, which is what the book's called, can cut into windows into other worlds. And that's basically the frame of this reading, and I'll just give my quick impression was... I found this section of reading more exciting than The Golden Compass, and maybe that was just because we, you know, we got, we started with an introduction of a new character, and a pretty likable character at that, like, I really like Will's character, especially, he's a little bit more rooted in reality, so I liked that, and then also him meeting Lyra kind of, like, points out, like, how she's all, like, my demon, and he's like, what is that? So I really like that, and I also just like their entire dynamic together, we kind of get that, like, to against the world kind of aspect. So I enjoyed that in this reading a lot. Yeah, I echo that sentiment. I was just reminded how much I like Will. He's sassy and he's funny and he's a totally great foil for Lyra. And I'm really glad that we have him because he does make the readings more fun. You know, he loves cats. So obviously if you listen to this podcast, you know I love cats too. He does give the cat some milk, 
which was weird because cats are allergic to milk, but I'll forgive him because he's otherwise really nice to all the animals. And yeah, we start, we can dive into the plot with him. So like you said, Will is from our world. His mother is mentally insane. And like you said, he leaves her with a friend because he's going to try to find out about his father. And he very quickly finds his way into the new world. He finds that world window and he meets Lyra. And then I just got a butt in here because, of course, Lyra is going to fall in love with this boy. That's the first thing I noted once they kind of introduced each other because on their first meeting, he makes her food. And as we will soon learn, Lyra is the definition of like born of high new, like high nobility, doesn't know how to do anything. She's used to being served by servants and everything. So she has no idea what she's doing. I mean, she's also still a child and he's also a year older than her. And when they first meet, he's shirtless. So all of these things are like the perfect setup for the beginning of a little romance. At least that's what I thought. And she also, after they have their first interaction and they end up going to sleep, she watches him sleep and asks the alethiometer about him and is immediately comforted by the fact that it tells her that he's a murderer, which is also just kind of funny because why would she be comforted by that? I guess because he'll be able to protect her, I guess, if he likes her. <laughs> yeah, her her reaction is very much a... Not what the average person would respond to, but she's like, a murderer, he can fend for himself. That's a good quality. And this is one of Lyra's, my favorite Lyra lines in the whole series. But she just says, because Will's like, can you cook? And she's like, of course not. In my world, the servants do the cooking. But because, like you said, I think that we forget, or at least I totally do, that Lyra is pretty highborn. And she's been like kind of living as like a roguish princess. Like she's been living as a child at a university, but like, she doesn't have school. She doesn't have responsibilities, but she's like being pampered because she's a the daughter of a lady, of a lord. So she like I think that it's easy to forget that Lyra's like pretty pampered, but Well it's also because she shock, speaks so like I already said to me, Lyra has a southern accent. She's got she speaks in such slang, like you would never guess that <laughs> she's, she's high lady. Well, she says she's never brushed her own hair. I mean, <laughs> Lyra, come on. I mean, she's a child, but like by 11, she should be brushing her own hair. Yeah. I would think. But anyway, we also, one of the reasons that makes this reading more fun is that we're following other characters, whereas the Golden Compass is just Lyra. Like, we have multiple plot lines. You know me, I love my split character plot lines. But so Serafina Pecola, she's watching Mrs. Coulter torture another witch. And then Serafina Mercy kills the witch because the witch is about to reveal Lyra's role. So we know from the last book that Lyra has a name or in a witch prophecy that's going to basically say what her role for the future of the world is. And Serafina Pecola kills the other witch out of mercy before she reveals the name. And she hates Mrs. Coulter now. Yeah, well, at least now Serafina's on team kill Mrs. Coulter. Because she deserves it. And yeah, the scene definitely shows how, like, this book is definitely kind of anti-church. Because the church is really terrible, especially in this. They literally use torture and all the things we read in the scene to try to get the information they need. And in the witch council, Ruta Scotty, which is a witch queen, I think, or something... Yeah, she's a Latvian witch queen. 
Yeah, she tells the witches that they need to be on the opposite side of the church because basically the church is always on the wrong side. So, like, Poland's really laying it on thick that, like, we don't like the church in this story. Yeah, and maybe I should throw this in for context, but Philip Pullman, again, we said this is definitely a critique of organized religion and the way that it can operate. He also wrote this series, not actually with an intended age group, but like when you write a series about children, like it's going to feel like there's a bit of a tilt towards a younger reader base. And he specifically has said since writing it that he wrote it in response to the Chronicles of Narnia, which were, and probably still are, one of the most famous children's book series to read. And that is a very heavily Christian, pro-Christian book series that a lot of the scenes are direct metaphors or analogies to Christianity. And Philip Pullman wanted children to have a book that was age-appropriate for them, though, like we've said, this book series may be less age-appropriate, that exposes them to a different worldview than the Chronicles of Narnia because the Chronicles of Narnia are very, very, very Christian motif. But we can probably say that maybe until we finish the series because I think we'll get more of that. But right away, like, mm-hmm. Lord Azrael's plan is revealed that he his plan is to kill God or kill the authority, as he's called in the series. So like you said, it's not subtle that this there's one side that's very anti-religion in this series. So yeah, we're going to keep that in mind. At all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> subtle. I put that in as a pun because subtle knife. Ha ha ha. Anyway. Lee Scoresby, we have this really sweet moment. He says that Lyra's like had really bad parenting luck and he already thinks of her as one as his own child. And it's really sweet because Lee is a sweetie. And, you know, later on, like he talks about, you know, not wanting to like, he knows how many people he's killed. Like he's like, this is the third person I've ever killed. And it's really sweet that he's like so rough around the edges, but he's so parental and soft towards Lyra. Yeah, that was definitely a very, sweet moment from him but those the next few chapters kind of just left me with a lot of questions and some got answered quickly but two that I wanted to mention are that I wrote down who was that strange old man and why did he seem so familiar to Lyra and Pan when they're in the museum and this man who we he introduces himself I guess is Sir Charles which I guess that's you in this story Charles (laughs) this creepy old man And he's the one who eventually steals Lyra's alethiometer. And I can tell that because she keeps mentioning how it's somebody that they, she's like, I can tell, like, I've definitely met him before. Like, she's met him before. It's got to be a character we've already met, but I have no idea who it is. So I'm assuming it has to have been somebody who was, like, more in passing as opposed to, like, a very large character. And then really quick, the other question I had was, you know, what happened to Will's dad? Like, where did he go? Because, you know, we're assuming he probably maybe went into another world or something since we're learning about all these different universes and everything. But we learn this pretty quickly when Will is reading the letters from his dad and he basically says that he found a window just like Will did and he went into another world. So we don't know what world he went into, but I am also assuming that Will's dad is a character we've maybe already met, but I have other theories about that later. Well, I'm not going to spoil who the old man was because 
so later on we find out that he is a snake demon and I feel like it's not a spoiler to say that he is a character that we have met slash mentioned previously. Like it's kind of like the way we always talked about reveals and Percy Jackson. Like if it's a reveal for someone that we don't know, it's pretty bad writing. So, but yeah, it's definitely gonna be someone that we've met slash mentioned, but I'm not going to spoil it also because I think you're going to fig- learn in the next chapter. So, you know, you're going to read it right after we record this. So you'll know soon enough. But mm-hmm. I will say that I did figure out his other identity the first time I read the series. And there's for two reasons. And one of them I can't discuss until next week. And you'll know why then. But one of them is the snake demon. So we find out he has a snake demon. And as you know, probably from listening to this podcast, I am mortally terrified of snakes. So any character that has a snake demon has always stuck out to me. Because anytime a snake is mentioned when I'm reading, like... My throat seizes up, so I like that sort of stuff kept in my conscience. So when we met another character that had a snake demon, I did figure it out the first time I read it. But Will's dad's identity, I did not figure out what the first time I read it. And again, you're right; it's going to be someone that we've heard slash mentioned because, again, terrible writing. If it was just some random person, <laughs> and this is really well written, but. I had no idea when the reveal came in this book and you're going to get it in the next few chapters of this book. I was mind blown. But anyway, we'll leave those two questions to simmer because they're going to be resolved soon. But in the present, so back with our kids, they meet other kids who tell them that this world, the world isn't called Chitagatse, but the city they live in is called Chitagatse. And it's filled with these beings called specters and they're corporeal beings that eat your soul if you're an adult. So they're kind of like eat your demon if your demon has been settled. And that's why there are no adults in the city. And the adults like leave the city and roam around. Like adults can see the specters, but children can't. Yes. So now Lyra and Will kind of know a bit more about this in-between world that they've found. And so after that, they go back to Will's Oxford to kind of pursue their individual quest. And Will is looking into his dad, and he finds out that he was an explorer who went missing in the far north. And then when he reads the letters, he finds out that his dad found, you know, another a window into another world. And so that kind of explains why the contact between him and his mom went dead. Yeah, and I should have asked you this earlier because I mentioned that I didn't figure out who John Perry is slash was. But do you have any ideas about who it might be? So like we said, it's definitely like I'm assuming it's a character we've already met. But I don't have a theory exactly for who it is yet. But I am also kind of wondering because since he comes from like our world, he can't have a demon. And pretty much most of the main people we've met, they have some kind of demon so I would assume he's not going to have one or maybe there's a way. Cause also, I mean how they describe it or how Lyra kind of talks about it is she's just assuming that, you know, like will his demon is just inside him. Like that's basically in our world, our demon or our soul, I guess is just inside of us. It's not a tangible thing that we can, that's outside of ourselves. So maybe there's a way that like his dad, I guess could have developed a demon, but like they haven't, We have no way of knowing that because it hasn't been introduced into the story, but I guess that could be a possibility, but there's no way of guessing. So I feel like since you said you didn't 
know who it was when you first read it, I feel like it could point to something more like that because something you wouldn't be able to guess like that because then it could essentially be anyone that mm-hmm. we've met because it's just another person with a demon who obviously changed his name. That's a really astute observation. We got one clue. Again, obviously I know who it is. We got one clue in this reading as to who it was. But Tell us, tell us, tell us. No, because if I tell you, you'll 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 know. But Well uh, This is just like the clue with the snakes. With the snakes in in the alchemist. But the thing but you what you said about the demon and not having a demon is really smart because I, when I read this the first time, I didn't think about it that way at all because I'm dumb. And I didn't think, of course, Will's <laughs> well, demon has kid. to Fair. But I didn't think that Will's demon has to have, Will's dad has to have a demon or not have a demon. And that's going to like play a role in his identity. But I will tell you that it will be explained properly when it does get there. Either way, whatever happens, like Will's dad's, Identity will be explained well. Because if he does, like, develop a demon, like, it's going to be really interesting to, like, hear that process. Because, like, obviously, like, my understanding is, like, you know, when you're born, your demon just appears. That's kind of my understanding, too. So is it just going to be, like, the demon as an adult is just going to appear? Is it going to come out from inside of him? Like, it's just, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to swallow in these books. (laughs) These fantastical books. (laughs) We got like a one very direct hint and one very indirect hint. And you're going to, I like, I want to be next to you when you read it because you're going to be like, oh my God. You know, kind of the way I like almost had a heart attack when Jacob kissed Bella. But you're going to be like, oh my God, it all makes sense. But anyway. I don't know. I probably have no idea. Well, I definitely have no idea what clues you're talking about. I don't remember anything. But the clues will be explained. These are not like, they're clues because I know what the answer is. And I like, but you're like, they're going to be explained very directly. Okay. Okay. It's, it's like the snakes well, moment in the final alchemist book when they're like, Josh's world I'm doesn't have any like, snakes. I'm still upset that like, I'm still upset that I like didn't think through that because that is like, that was a clear I gave like, you that clue. I gave her that clue, guys. But like, I just thought that was you being dramatic about snakes. Like, I didn't really think about because they're like snakes. This There's is no how clever I am. In the shadow realm, that's like the biggest part of his character. No, the, the biggest part of his character I'm is being a so coward. Frustrated. The biggest part of his character is being a terrible person. I mean, yeah. But anyway, back to this story. As Will is looking into his dad, Lyra finds a physicist, Dr. Mary Malone, who is researching dark matter that she calls shadows, which Lyra believes is also dust yeah so in their conversations lyra realizes that dust is shadow matter is shadow shadows is dark matter is rusakov particles and they seem to be conscious and they start to move around consciousness and they associate with human activity like a carved item has more dust around it than just like a piece of log because a carved item has like had human consciousness interact with it and an adult obviously has more human consciousness than a child. So in the the shadows, they can communicate, which is how the lithiometer works, which is how the knife works, which is how the cave, which is Dr. Malone's computer works, which is about her I Ching, the like Chinese sticks things, which she's going to get a little more into in the next reading. But that's another way to communicate with dust. And you'll see more of that. But basically, dust is 
is conscious, which is important. Okay. Are you confused yet? Very, very. I'm very confused, but you know, we just keep reading. Um, and <laughs> you're supposed to be confused <laughs> so at this we... point. Like you're you're supposed to be experiencing this like Lyra does, like an 11 year old trying to understand physics and yeah. theology and consciousness. All mixed into one. But then we do have a couple kind of less exciting chapters with Serafina and Lee. And then Ruta Scotty leave Serafina to go travel with angels to find Lord Azriel. Which I did the transition of this chapter, it definitely it felt like a movie to me because Ruta was like, oh, I'm going to go follow those angels. And then it was like the camera pans and we follow her as she goes to the angels. Like, I don't know. I just liked that transition. I've kind of noticed this book kind of is more like that because I did notice in when we read The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel in that series, they did a lot more of like cut scenes where like we would be in this really exciting moment and then the next chapter we'd cut to like other characters and then a few chapters later you'd come back to finish that storyline from before. Whereas, I mean, this this book kind of does that, but not as much. Like, it's more like... Yeah, we're not cutting seamless. away from action. Like, when Lyra's yeah. alethiometer gets stolen, we don't cut away to someone else. Like, we stay with her, getting the knife. In the next chapter, I think she goes to retrieve the alethiometer. Like, I think that you're totally right that, like... Each each section kind of finishes itself, because this book kind of did introduce this, like, like how when we cut to Serafina, when she's going to spy and with the the other witch being tortured. Like, in the last book, I feel like we, like, pretty much mainly followed Lyra. Whereas in this book, I mean, we don't even see Lyra until, like, a couple chapters in when Will meets her. Yeah. Or I don't know if that was maybe one chapter, but it was, like, we because we started with Will. So, like, the book begins and you're like, who is this? Mm-hmm. And then you eventually, like, oh, Lyra, there's our main character. And then it kind of starts cutting back and forth. But it does, like, have a way of it, one chapter, like, it finishes the action before it, like, transitions to yeah. a new and the chapters are longer Plot than point. Flamel. Like, some of the Flamel chapters were four pages long. So it's like, yeah. Josh summons the Archon Coatlicue, cut away to, like, someone else. And you're like, that's a big deal. Why did we leave him? But anyway, back to what you just mentioned, these Serafina and Lee chapters. Also, I want to say that Ruta Scotti, her character is beefed up in the TV show, and she's played by a black actress, which is great. Like, the show is much more integrated, racially diverse you know, for, like, she's supposed to be a Latvian witch, so, you know, Fifty Shades of White, just like me. But she's, her character is beefed up, and she's really awesome in the show. And it's a beautifully shot show. I can't remember exactly how they do the angels in the show, because it's really a brief scene. But anyway, I think that you're totally right. There's a sort of a cinematic nature to a lot of these scenes in the book. Like even like when they're looking up at the tower with the angels and like they're seeing the boy in the window and then they're climbing up the stairs. Like you can see it translating really well into something visual. Yeah. But something we should mention, we, so Lee, we're following Lee now. He's looking for Stanislaus Grumman. So if you remember that in the very first chapter of the book series, Asriel, he goes to Oxford to get money for his expedition and he brings back the head of Stanislaus Grumman because and to convince the scholars to give him money and Lee thinks that Azrael was lying and he thinks that Grumman might be alive but he's asking like 50 people and they're all like he might be he might not be and 
But Lee apparently knows that Grumman has something that can protect the holder, and he wants that to be given to Lyra. And personally, I think that this is a little bit of a plot hole because all of a sudden, like, we open the subtle knife and Lee is like, I got to go find Grumman because he has this all-powerful protecting object, which this is the first thing we've heard of this. Like, I don't know if it felt abrupt to you, but like the fact that this is his mission kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere. I don't know how you feel about that. I think for me, I don't think that bothered me so much because... When we got to this part, I was already confused anyway because I'm like, I remember who Lee was, but I was like, oh, we're back to the dead guy, but maybe he's not dead, and then he's talking to all these people. So honestly, that detail, I was like, if he's got solid, he knows this, like this is a solid thought, we'll just go with it because everything else is just too confusing to be questioning. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything else is so wishy-washy. Well, yeah, because in his research, Lee finds out that Grumman was actually British even though he was at the Berlin Institute, his English was better than his German. And he is, we know that he'd been indoctrinated into a tribe as a shaman and that his shaman name was Japari. And, but like, no one really knows where he came from. They were like, all of a sudden he was a professor at the Institute. And now, but he's actually British. But like, apparently he has this powerful weapon that, Lee knows about, but no one else knows about. And Lee's going to chase him down. I don't even, I still don't even know who Grumman is. Like, I I still don't understand. Is he a scientist? (laughs) Well, we haven't met him. He was a scientist. Yeah, he's a scientist explorer. Kind of the same thing that, like, Azriel and Coulter do. Like, you know, adventurers, I guess. Bad, bad stuff, apparently. Well, Grumman is not innately bad, like, Azrael and Coulter are well, we evil. We don't know that because That's true. we haven't met we him. We haven't met him yet. And for all we know, he's dead because Azrael apparently has his head in an icebox. Uh, this is something that is always bothering me about the book, though, is that how does Azrael already have a fortress in like a week? Because so he blows up in the hole in the sky in the end of the Golden Compass. And it takes about a week. Like Lyra's like, I was wandering for three days. And then she and Will are together for a couple days. But then when Ruta Scotty is flying with the angels... There's this massive castle made of basalt that apparently, like, Azrael is, like, building an army in. I'm like, where did he get this castle from? How did he know? Like, I mean, maybe well, he'd done a lot of research. Wasn't already there. But how did he even know how to start building this army? Like, how did, like, because it kind of because sounded like he'd never left like- his world before. Well, based on how Azrael's described, I mean, just like with the polar bears, it seems like he kind of knows how to, like, get his way. Like, he's a very persuasive person, you know? It, like, he gets people to... I mean, I don't know if that was, like, pointing to that, but... He definitely has that sort of magnanimous me, characteristic. I know for me, I didn't question that at all, because all I was focused on was the fact that now we've been introduced to another magical being of angels that this witch is flying with, and I was just like, how many... Of these mythical and magical beings, are we going to be meeting in this whole story? Well, we have the specters now, and we have the angels. We have this. We have the specters. We have angels. We have talking polar bears. Think, we have witches. We have demons. I think we only get one more crazy, crazy species, and that's next book. You're gonna you're gonna laugh when you read those. I can't wait for that. The Galavespians. But anyway, that's skipping ahead. It's just, like, interesting because, like, even, like, because, like, angels is more, like, it's obviously, like, religious and stuff. So it's, like, mixing 
religious beings with like scientific, fantastical, fantastical beings yeah. with scientific like it's it's a very it's a lot <laughs> it's it is a lot, a lot to consume i just feel like the oh. fortress was not explained well enough but maybe but maybe it's more that just azrael has been leaving but his world but the angels before. were explained well enough for you no Wait, where do the angels come from do the angels come from heaven like where is heaven we're going to learn is, more about the angels next a, don't worry is heaven a world like that's where I'm yes, like to me, sort like of, yes. him having a fortress is irrelevant <laughs> because they haven't explained. Yeah, we've got bigger problems. They've kind of explained witches, but like where did where did talking polar bears come from? Where did where did angels come from? Like where did these things come from? Yeah, we're gonna and get why, some have explanations. They just always been accepted. It's gonna be something. It's gonna be something. But anyway, so we wrap up. <laughs> Where we get too sidetracked. Also, because we don't have answers to these things yet. So there's really no point in discussing them yet. But I'm just, I'm sorry. I just find it funny because you're like, how does Azrael have a fortress? And I'm like, how do these beings <laughs> exist in this You're like, Charles, get your priorities you straight. And I'm just like, angels, that makes sense. <laughs> Talking polar bears. Well, anyway, we wrap up back in our Oxford with Sir Charles stealing Lyra's alethiometer. And then when they go to like, give it it back he's like go get the knife from the angel tower in Chittagatse and they're like you know about that he's like yes and I know about the specters so I can't go in there so you're gonna go get it yeah so they go to get the subtle knife from which we this is where we do discover that curly haired man that Lyra saw on top of the tower was the older brother of those kids they met and he has the knife he stole it from the like old man who it belongs Giacomo to Giacomo Paradisi. That guy. And Will fights this the older brother, the kid, for the knife. And he Julio. And we also learned this subtle knife or whatever, it keeps away the specter. So that's why the little brother wanted it, because he is like an adult, like compared to like the kids. So he can be attacked by the specter. So that's why he had the knife. So basically Will fights him for the knife, and in the fight, he loses his left pinky and ring finger, which the old man who was the bearer of the knife says that that's the marking of the new knife bearer. So it means that, like, Will is kind of like the chosen one now, and he gets to hold the knife. And then the older brother, which I'm assuming this is going to come back at some point, because the older brother, you know, leaves the tower, and he, like, immediately gets attacked by specters, and they suck his soul out. It's really scary. And the kids see Lyra up in the tower, and of course they give her like a terrible, like dirty look. Like, so I'm assuming those kids are gonna come back to try to kill them at some point. But that happens, and then <laughs> the old man teaches Will kind of how to use the knife very quickly. And basically, this knife it can be used to cut through worlds. So it's what like how there's that window that Will in the beginning of the book stumbles through. The knife cut that window. And he can also close the windows, like, just with his hand by being the knife bearer. And so now that they have the knife, obviously, they need to go back and get Lyra's alethiometer. So I'm assuming, you know, if in the next chapter, they're going to use the knife because they also say, like, it can cut through any surface. So, like, metal, wood, whatever. Like, it can cut through anything. So I'm assuming they're just going to use that because it can cut through anything to go and steal back the alethiometer from Sir Charles. I would say that's a very good guess slash theory. And it might be spoiling to say that, but I think honestly, it's so obvious that that's what they're going to do because they literally are like, we can't trust Sir Charles. And that's literally the, the knife's power is to cut through worlds and through surfaces. 
and they obviously need the alethiometer back. So I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, guys. Like I said, next chapter or next two chapters is going to happen that they're going to use the knife to get the alethiometer back, or they're going to try to, I should say. So I think that wraps it up, actually. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Do you have any other questions? So something I wrote down, which I can't remember if they answered in the reading now, but in the in the little town with all the kids, Chitagatse. There, when Will first goes in there, like a cat goes in before him. So there's a cat wandering around, and during the reading, at some point, Lyra and Will come across all the kids, like almost like describing like mob mentality, like almost like they have pitchforks and stuff. And they're throwing rocks at the cat. They're throwing rocks at the cat. Like, they're really afraid of it. And Will and Lyra are like, what are you guys doing? It's a cat. And Will picks it up. <laughs> and the kids are terrified, basically, of it. And I think, do they, like, hit one of the kids or something? But the kids, like, want to fight. But they're so afraid of the cat, they just let them go or something. And then they have the cat. And I was just wondering, like, I can't remember if they said why they were afraid of the cat or not. But, like, why were the kids so afraid they just say that cats are demons. In this in this society, they believe that cats are demons. There's no good explanation, but the kids, Lyra asks them, she's like, why are you afraid of the cat? And they're like, cats are demons. And Lyra's like, not really, but whatever. Is like, that, like, pointing to something that's going to happen? No. That's just random. No. I was it's just, just like, a cultural thing. It's just so, because, like, does that mean there are no cats in their society? I guess they kill them all? They killed all the cats. Okay. You know what? It. It's not pointing to, like, the cat part of it is not pointing to something. That scene that you mentioned is pointing to something. Like, the kids, like, the throwing stuff and, like, the mob, like, the way that they're vicious to that cat. It's how they're going to be vicious to Lyra and Will because they killed the brother. Or, I guess... You said it, not me. Got the specters. Well, I could already tell that, because the kids honestly sound like little savages, like Lord of the Flies aspect is like what I'm getting. Yeah, and they need to be put in their place. We're just so not going to talk about Will that. We're just going to mess them up. And, like, uh, he's going to cut them up with an eye if I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, I mean, because... I guess there are a bunch of kids... There are a bunch uh, of kids in a world with no adults, so... You thought the last book was crazy. It's going to get crazier, so... I think that wraps it up, but I think that if you're reading along with us, read until the end of The Subtle Knife. We'll finish it for next week. And remember, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, you can always stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. And I'm at C.E. Sheeland on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast. You share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other awesome podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yep. Hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.